Okay, so we are um, starting a series. Last week we started a series um, just on increasing our faith. Um, I can't think of a more important topic than you. You know, we heard last week how, you know, Gary, Gary did a great job, didn't he? How he shared that in Luke 18 verse 8, we read that when Jesus returns, more than anything, he wants to find faith on earth. And then we read in Hebrews 11 verse 6 that it is impossible to please God without faith. We also learned last week that, you know, Jesus encountered people of different levels of faith. People with no faith to people with great faith. And that wherever we are um, in terms of, you know, our faith level, uh, God wants us to continually increase our faith. You know, you might be sitting here at the moment, you might have very little faith, you might feel like you have no faith. Uh, You might be going through a season where, man, you have so much faith, it's awesome. Um, But, you know, God wants us to continually be aware of where we are in our faith because there's so many things that will pull us away from trusting in in God the way He wants us to. So wherever we are in our our level of faith, uh, you know, this series is helpful for for all of us. So starting from today, we're going to share different ways that God has provided, God has provided for us to increase our faith because faith is so important to God. It's a consistent theme in the Bible. All the topics we're going to cover, you'll see how important they are to God. God knows that our tendency is to, is to lose trust in Him, especially when, when tough times come. So He has given us ways to maintain our faith and to continue, continually increase it. Um, so today, as I said, Nolene and I are going to share something. Nolene's going to share a point and I'm going to share a point. I actually like that image. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I always remember, you know, Jesus says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, um, but you start from somewhere. And I, that's just a beautiful image for me of the fact that our faith is meant to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Gary actually gave uh, his, one of his favorite definitions of faith. He used the King James Version, which I was kind of surprised at, but... Um, <laughs> In Hebrews 11 verse 1 it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And then in verse 3 it says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. And I think for us, you know, that that is something that when we sit here... um, It can seem so impossible, the fact that everything that is visible to the eye in terms of nature and the stars and the planets, that God made that out of what was not seen. There was a time when it didn't exist, and then there was a time when it existed. And obviously people, scientists, have all these theories about how it came about, but those of us who are in Christ, we believe that God is the source behind it. And that's faith. It's, it's believing that there is a God and he is active in this world and that he cares about this world. Okay. So I want you just for a moment to think about where you were at in your life when you began to read the Bible And the scriptures came alive for you in a fresh way, in a new way. For some of you, that was very recent. 
For others like me, it was really a long time ago. Um, we should share our stories more about where we came from. <clears throat> because I was raised going to church. I did the Sunday school route, and I know the others of you here who did the same thing. And I read my Bible. But something happened in 1990 when it was like something had, it's like a veil was removed. And I love that scripture in 2 Corinthians 3 where Paul says in verse 16, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the spirit and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. But sitting here now, I want you to just consider if this is about us being changed more and more into the glorious image of Jesus Christ... Can you, can you look back and see how you have grown since that day when you first had that veil removed? And how that's intimately connected to how your faith has grown. And your faith growing is intimately connected to how well you know this God who created everything out of nothing. The more our intimacy grows with this God who created everything out of nothing, the more our trust in him will grow. And ultimately, that is what faith is. Faith is trusting in this being who we call Father, who we do not see, but we trust what he says to us, and we trust in who he is. And if we don't know him, we will, have a, we will have a struggle to trust him because we might think other things about him because of how we were raised. If you had a really harsh father or you had an absent father, etc., or you had no father, you know, we, we need to get to know him. But how did you come to, f- to first have faith? In him. In God. In Jesus. Um, Romans 10 verse 17, Paul says, So faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. That's where it really all starts. It's for the first time really having that veil removed and seeing this Jesus as you read the scriptures for the very first time in a fresh way. Even though you might have grown up, Hearing about the cross, you know, Easter's coming up again. A lot of people only go to church at Easter. But it's like all of a sudden you click this connection between how broken you are and how desperately you need Jesus and the fact that he invites you into this relationship with him. And he Washes you clean of your sin. He gives you a fresh start, a new birth in him. And then he wants to take you on this incredible journey. But that does not happen automatically. I can remember that day for myself. And it's good to go back to that day and to remember when that light switched on for the first time. 
But this, this is about a journey of going deeper and deeper in our relationship of trust in God. And, you know, Paul speaks in Romans again about how through creation we should all understand that there is a God. But the Bible, this book, plays an absolutely vital, critical role in your faith journey. It will be very difficult for you to grow in your knowing of God if you do not have this word. Because this is the word that shows us Jesus. And this is the word that invites us into knowing how to be in a relationship with him. A love relationship. He loves us. He is mad about us. Everyone sitting here. He wants to have this intimate, close, deep connection with you. Like you don't even understand. You know? But we need this. Do you know of any other book? I've been reading this book for ever, probably since I could read. <laughs> because I went to Sunday school. So, but most definitely for the past, since, since I read the book even before, I, w- I thought I was cool with God until I realized that I hadn't actually ever made Jesus Lord of my life. So this book though, for the past really 40 years, I have been digging into every day. Every day. You guys know I love the Bible. And I know all of us don't naturally love reading and love digging in. But believe me, the more you dig into it, the more it will amaze you. Because the more this Jesus will amaze you as you dig into it. It's like, very rarely will you find a book that you'll say, oh, I'll read it again. But the Bible, you can read it again and again and again and again. And it just stays fresh. And why is that? Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our inmost thoughts and desires. No other book really does that. To, to show us our deepest need, to expose those things in us that are broken, that are in need of healing and wholeness, and that we can find it in Jesus. This is alive, and it's powerful. And I beg of you, give it a chance. If you haven't experienced that in your walk with, with Jesus, give it a chance. Ask the Holy Spirit to enliven this word to you. If we believe that this word is God-breathed, that it's from God, then it will bring life. If we beg the Spirit to do that in us. And that's also faith. It's believing that the Spirit wants to do that in you. I just want to give you a couple of tips really about what what has helped me. Okay, Besides just investing time every day 
even if you feel like at this stage that it is a chore or it is please don't see it as a tick list but if you see it as I know for me and I know I speak about this often for me when I open this it's like I'm sitting down at my rabbi's feet Jesus like Mary and I'm saying Jesus teach me today if you have that heart when you read the scriptures he will honor that and he will teach you so read but read in different versions okay sometimes you feel like the NIV man I've been reading that for 10 years it'll still if that's the only Bible you have it will still speak to your heart but we know on you know we have you version has so many versions now try different versions to bring it alive for you and to see different nuances in, way, in different ways. If you can, at some stage, read the Bible chronologically. That means it's as best as can be from the moment of creation through history. You can get a chronological Bible or you can Google online reading the Bible chronologically and it'll come up with the passages that you should read to put it in chronological order because our Bible is not chronological. Okay? <clears throat> Other than the Old Testament and the New Testament. Okay? And some of the books. Yes. But not, it's not all in historical order. But that's a beautiful way. I know when I did it for the first time, it really brought God's character to light. And this amazing, compassionate, devoted God who was pursuing his people relentlessly. That's what I learned from that. It was, it was really a, an amazing moment for me. Really, another thing is really try to learn to read the scriptures with Hebrew lenses. We should do a class on that at some stage. We just did it with the School of Missions, and they loved it. But when you understand that this is written by Hebrew people... Um, not people with our background that they understood things differently, saw things differently. Once you can learn some things about that, it brings the scriptures alive in a different way. So I'm really encouraging you to to try to learn. There are resources out there and we can point you in, in directions. Okay. Biblical meditation. That uh, when that was when I really started getting back to that, it has really helped me with my heart connecting with my head but really connecting emotionally with the scriptures and in that way connecting with God's heart so I know some of you have done the the biblical meditation that I've done the six steps are out there we've done it from time to time I can get it out there again for you but um, that's also something that will really help you when you read the scriptures and then also songs. You know, so many of those songs that we sing, did you notice how many biblical truths there are in the songs that we sing? And we really seek to sing songs. Sometimes it's direct scripture that people put into songs. So when we're singing, we're actually singing scripture to one another. And do that more. Sing scripture. Let yourself be saturated in songs that are scriptural, so that truth is, is really in you. And then another thing we spoke about with the campus kids on Friday was reading scripture together. You know, the Hebrews 
very much read scripture together. It was a family thing and we tend to do it in our own little individual space and that is good and we need to do that. But we also need to get together with other people. Like we did when we did Hebrews. Um, but to do that more, you know, with a friend, with two friends, just decide you're going to read a book in the Bible and you're going to stop and you're going to pause and you're going to ponder. Maybe you do a biblical meditation together from time to time. Okay. Pray scripture. Taking um, scripture and praying through it is very powerful. You can do that with anything in the scriptures, almost. Some narratives, maybe it'll be a little tricky. But honestly, Paul's letters, Paul's letters you can use step by step to take chunks and do biblical meditations on. And within that, there is a pray, there is an element, there's a place where you pray as well. Or just pray scriptures. Pray the Psalms. Pray scriptures. Uh, memory verses. I don't know how many of you still do memory verses. But they can be very powerful as well. Is have memory verses up. You just are saturating yourself. And then resources. You know, there's some great resources out there. Um, many, many, many. I currently have, this year, Bible Project is doing a year of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is amazing. And they are doing it this whole year. And if you have the Bible Project app on your phone, you can follow it. And even within that, there are things with Hebraic lenses that will teach you to think the way Jesus did and to become like Jesus so that you can do what Jesus would do. Okay, but I think that is the main thing um, about all these things is is God wants to transform us. In Hebrews 10, um, verse 15 and 16, and I'm finishing off here, it is Jeremiah 31, verse 33, which is an Old Testament passage which was pointing to something which was happening, going to happen in the future. And it says, And the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so. For he says, This is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. See, brothers and sisters, we must saturate our minds and our hearts in the word of God and the scriptures for our faith to keep growing to deeper levels, for our hearts to change as God writes his word on our hearts. Now, it's an incredible picture of God's love and his intention of how he so kindly has given us something And with his spirit working, that you know what? You don't have to strive to change. You don't have to beat yourself up and, you know, yes, there are good spiritual disciplines, but he will change you. The fruit will be automatic in your life being transformed if you just love this book and invest. Amen. So to increase our faith, um, firstly we should dig, dig deep into God's word. And the point I'm going to make is to increase our faith, God encourages us to remember how he has worked in the past. Uh, remembering God and not forgetting is a 
consistent theme in the Bible. You read about it so many times. Remember, remember, do not forget what I've done for you. Uh, because I, I don't know about you, but um, I can quite easily start thinking of negative things. And I've shared this with many of you. My default is negative thinking. Um, I'm cynical. I'm skeptical by nature. And I've really got to take my thoughts captive many times. One of my memory scriptures is, take your thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. Those sort of, you know, rem- remembering those biblical truths helps me to think, to think more positively. And what also helps me to think more positively and to have the mind of Christ is to remember how God has worked amazingly in my life and in, and his, and in his church. So it works, and I really appreciate Nolene's uh, lesson. So practical, uh, packed so much into 15 minutes there, our corner. Our corner's going to listen to the audio again. Amen. I probably am as well. Um, and we just want to keep this very, you know, very practical. So, you know, as I mentioned, this theme of, of remember and, and do not forget is it's such a, it's, it's throughout the Bible. And I just want to share a few examples with you. You know, as God was rescuing his people out, out of Egypt, he instructed them to tell their story to their children and to their grandchildren so that the generations to come would remember what he did and that they would realize that he is God. So telling the story of Exodus, and God obviously turned that into a, a, a festival, an event, a family, a family meal, the Passover meal. So he gave them the Passover meal to remember. And that Passover meal is now the communion meal, which we'll take later. And the scripture I will share there will be you know, relevant to what I'm talking about. Um, then after crossing, into, um, crossing over the Red Sea, uh, God's people remembered God in song. They sang a song of, of remembrance and gratitude. That's in Exodus 15. When they crossed the Jordan into the, into the promised land, the first, God instructed them to collect 12 stones and to, and to make a pile of the stones. Okay, why? To remember, you know, God's act of deliverance and to remember how he brought them into the, um, in, into the promised land. In Deuteronomy alone, you can read this, I think there are 15 or 16 times where, where God specifically instructs them to remember. And I just want to share a couple of things. In Deuteronomy, you know, he says, remember your time as slaves in Egypt so that you'll have empathy with the oppressed. Okay, so remembering is meant to result in action. Okay, it's remembering God's act of rescue uh, is not just a a passive, oh, I'm going to think about it. God wants that to move us to actually do his his work, you know, and and to be his image bearers, to be his representatives. Um, Also in Deuteronomy, we we read how, you know, God says, remember my my acts of of rescue and and saving. It will give you confidence to face your enemies and to trust in my promises. Uh, remembering God should, you know, gives us the, you know, the confidence to face the things that, you know, the struggles and the temptations of this Christian life. And, you know, there are, there are enemies who want, to, who want to take us out spiritually, right? And it's important that we remember God's victories in the past. Uh, because it will equip us and give us confidence to face, you know, the struggles and, and, and the enemies that we do face um, as, as Christians. Um, and then also in Deuteronomy, he says, uh, remembering your struggles in the wilderness. He says, remember those. I'm sure they would have liked to forget that, right? He says, that will remind you to be faithful to me and to be obedient to me. And there's so many others. Um, m- many of the Psalms remember God's 
past acts of deliverance. Because remembering that builds a confidence in God. Um, you know, he, he had shown them, the psalmist, that he was a reliable savior and that he would save them in future as well. There are many examples, just one. Uh, Psalm 77 from verse 11. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. That's a great attitude to have. You know, a heart of just remembering, pondering on God and His Word, what He has done, you know, throughout history, what He's done in your life and my life. And it helps us to turn from maybe a place of having low faith to actually trusting God fully. Okay, remembering is, is so important. Now, there are many, many more examples. Now, I just want to share two Bible stories with you. One is uh, about an individual, and the other is about God's community, and how important remembering God's past victories was, was to them. The first one is uh, David in 1 Samuel 17, story that we, uh, that we should all know pretty well. Um, 1 Samuel 17 from verse 33 in meantime, I turn your Bibles to that if you want. But just uh, some background here. David was a, was a young man looking after his, his father's sheep. And his father sent him to the, to the front line to deliver food to his, to his brothers who were serving in Saul's army. David arrives there and, and he sees what's happening. And it shocks him. You know, you have this Goliath, this huge Philistine, going out and taunting Israel. And he's challenging the Israelites to send somebody out. To, to fight him. And David's indignant because no one's taking up the challenge. So he went to speak to Saul and he offered to actually be that one, to represent Israel in this battle with, with Goliath. So that, that's where we take up the story. Verse 33, 1 Samuel 17. Saul replied, You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the, the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the poor of the lion and the poor of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Okay, it's a story that, you know, we all know well. It's an awesome, awesome story. You know, this is the greatest challenge that David has ever faced. It's a delivery boy against a hardened warrior. Now, what are the chances of success? Where did David get his confidence from? Where did he get his complete trust in God? Well, it was from God, how God had given him the ability and the power and the courage, you know, to, to wrestle a lion and, and a bear and to kill them to protect the flock. So he remembered that the victories, he remembered the victories that God had given him in the past. And he used those past victories as stepping stones to even greater victory. And there's a lesson in that for us, that, that we remember and use you know, the past victories of God that we have experienced and we use them as stepping stones to victories in future. Amen. Amen. So let's look at another passage, um, Joshua 4, the one I referred to earlier. 
Uh, you know, this is after God has dried up the river Jordan to allow his people to enter the promised land. What was the first thing God instructed Joshua to do when they got to the other side? We take up the reading in Joshua 4, verse 1. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant. When across the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. You know, God knew that conquering the promised land would be tough. He knew the enemies they faced. Uh, he knew the struggles you know, that they would have. He knew that just being human beings like you and me, their faith would, would drop. You know, he knew that they would be continually, continually at war with other nations. And he knew their tendency, you know, to doubt him during these, you know, these, these tough times. So he instructs Joshua to collect these 12 large stones representing the, the 12 tribes of Israel and to make a big pile with them. Now these are heavy stones, you get the impression, they had to carry them on, the, on their shoulders. And this was a pile of stones or rocks that would be around for a while. And it was to remind them and their children and their grandchildren um, of God's miraculous rescue of them, of his people into the promised land, through the waters of the Jordan River. Now if you are a Christian, if you're sitting here and, and you're a Christian, you have entered the promised land of, of new creation in Christ. Also through waters, through the waters of baptism. The Jordan River is a picture of, of baptism. Us you know, entering into the life of Christ and coming out the other side in, in this promised land of, of uh, new creation. Now, God delivering his people so long ago, um, you know, that, was, that was a great victory of God's. And his people needed to remember that when they faced difficulties. And, you know, the promised land that we are in also is a, it's a hard place to live in, isn't it? You know, uh, life as a Christian in, in, in the world that's, you know, so secular and the values of the world really go against the values of God that we're trying to live up to, it's tough. You know, we, we need to make tough choices. Uh, it's not always popular. You know, life is, life is difficult and challenging as a Christian. Man, if I've got that wrong, please come and tell me. I'd love to learn from you. But man, the, the promised land that I'm in, it's, it's completely getting, getting challenged by the world. There's so many temptations to compromise, whether it's on our life or, or, or our doctrine. You know, there's just such a call to, to compromise. It's, it's, just, it's in our face all the time. Now, there are battles to be fought. Now, there's an enemy to overcome. The enemy wants to trip us up. And it's important for us to have these rocks of remembrance and to go back to them when our faith drops. You know, we as a church, when, we, um, when people are baptized into this family, we encourage them, and I know Nolene's particularly good at this, to, to write down on that same day how grateful they are. To write down how they felt, to... You know, record who was there, 
uh, to record some of the messages of encouragement, you know, that, that they heard, um, and then occasionally to, to go back to those notes. Keep those notes in a special place, right? You might have lots of, you know, quiet time books and stuff, but, but keep that page or pages in a special place. When we struggle, when our faith drops, it makes such a difference going back and just reading and remembering. Remember when God rescued you, you know, out of the slavery of sin into his promised land. Remember that moment. That's the equivalent of, of rocks of remembrance for us. And, you know, often we need to remind one another of God's mighty work in the past. Life can become so overwhelm, overwhelming, so challenging that we, that we lose perspective on our own. And that's where we need to have the close relationships that we, that we ask. You know, how, how are we doing? You know, how's your faith? You know, how, how are you growing? What challenges are you facing? And that we encourage one another, Right? This was, a, this was a communal event and, you know, the stones of remembrance were for the community. This was put out there, you know, to Israel to, to remember. And I think we must be careful not to, to, to be individual, too individualistic with this. That, you know, we are called to be people of great faith, a community of great faith. And we help each other when our faith drops. And it will. If it hasn't yet, believe me, your faith will drop. It's just life. You know, while, while preparing this lesson, I thought of a few faith-building memories that really helped me from the far, past couple of years. And I'm not going to tell the stories in detail. I've told them before. If you want to know, come and speak to me. But my lost wallet. Okay, you remember that story? Some of you do. Okay, I'll, I'll give you the executive summary. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I, I was in Joburg. Um, I was in a rented car. I stopped at a place to go, to, to go for coffee. Uh, very naively, I left my computer bag. Uh, Lebuyu, I'm sorry, he's, he's uh, rebuked me so many times for this and thinks I'm silly. No, he hasn't. But he, it's certainly not the sort of silly mistake Lebuyu would make, right? I left my lap laptop bag in the car, didn't lock it away. My wallet was in my laptop bag. I had my birding camera with me. I got back from the very quick visit to a coffee shop and it had all been stolen. Right, and I was stressing, you know, when your, when your wallet gets stolen, I've got my driver's license there, I've got my credit cards, I've got everything, couldn't get hold of the bank. Long story short, I eventually just surrendered. I said, hey God, it's, it's just stuff. Amen. And I slept that night. Two days later, a guy phones me and he just said, hey man, are you Neil Trollabier? Tra he tracked me down. Random event on, next to a very busy highway between Pretoria and Joburg. Random dude needed to stop, let's say, for, uh, what's the polite way a comfort break, right, in the bush. And uh, he had his comfort break, and coming back to his car, he sort of noticed something that the, the light, the sun was just catching, and my wallet was like on top of the, the grass. All my cards were there, all my money, all my pictures of my family, and it's an old wallet. And then he, he just realized, I've got to get this wallet back to this guy for some reason. And he checked my name, he looked at the photos, he went on Facebook, he kind of saw a picture of Jess that kind of looked like me, and in a roundabout way, he phoned me. And Nolene had been praying. You know, my wife's amazing. I, I just had given up. God, good. I was rather praying for my attitude than for my wallet to come back. But Nolene was praying for my wallet. God provided. You know how faith building that is? And it happened at a time when, man, life was tough. You know, I was going through, we were going through difficult times. And it was just God's little assurance. I've got this, Neil. I can do this for your wallet. I can do it for you. I can do it for your church. Isn't that awesome? And even when I tell the story, I just feel, man, God's great. You know, if he can do that, he can do anything. 
Yeah, that's, I did tell the story again. Hey, I just can't help myself, you know. I mean, it's just telling the gospel, right? The good news. Um, and then secondly, very quickly, Nolene and me getting fully funded to attend the Israel tour early this year, last year, sorry, a year ago exactly, uh, with Jack, uh, Doug Jacoby. Just the, the generosity of, of, of Doug's ministry and the generosity of the church. And then Nolene and I spent an amazing time in Israel. Faith building. It was wonderful. And then finally, what I, what I remember that really encourages me and builds my faith, I remember a small group of men in this church last year getting together every Saturday morning. Um, you know who you are, man, and some people couldn't make all of the meetings, but going through two books together, just sharing our lives, having good coffee, uh, talking, it was amazing. And I just, I, I remember that. You know, when I remember events like that and, and men connecting in particular and just being honest with each other, and praying for each other, and just building close friendship, builds my faith. You know, that's just a few. I, I could list another hundred, I'm sure. Now, here's the thing. You all have your own victories. You can all remember how God has blessed you and encouraged you amazingly. And we need to remember those, those victories and use them as stepping stones to future victories. And to trust God that He has done this in the past, He will do it again. Amen. And you know, we, sometimes we don't understand God, God's timing. Sometimes He seems to be slow, but hey man, God knows exactly what we need. Okay, and sometimes we just need to get to other point of surrender. Or we need to learn something. And obviously we can't demand things from God. God sees the big picture, the context that, that we don't see. But we've got to just trust that whatever, whatever happens, God's got this. He knows what's best. Okay, and that attitude really builds our faith. But we must remember what God has done for us in the past. Now, that leads me to a little exercise, and I'm going to end here. You'll see at the back there, you probably wondered what that was about. There's a, um, there's a little pile of stones there, definitely not the 12 rocks that you know, Israel built, the pile of rocks. Um, and I know as a church we've done this exercise before, uh, but I'd encourage you to do, do it again. Many of you haven't. There are rocks there of different sizes, different shapes, different colors, and there are cokey pens there. And I encourage you, if you can today, still maybe after your fellowship and have a chance to think about it, to take a rock and write something, write a memory there that helps you remember something great that God has done for you and put it in a place in your home where you can see it. Now, I've had a chance to do this, and... You, you can be a lot more creative than this, all right? But I've got the Israel tour. Okay, Israel tour. And the, the waves there, that's the Sea of Galilee, which was a special memory for me, just going on the Sea of Galilee on a fishing boat and having an amazing devotional led by awesome teachers and the quietness, and it was perfectly timed as the sun set. We were on the lake, there wasn't wind, there was no sound, and for 10 minutes we just had an amazing quiet time. Remember that. And that connection I had with God, just being in the place where Jesus was, I remember. That was real. Okay, so for me, this is my choice of uh, my little stone of remembrance today. And I'm going to put this, I've, I've got a couple of others. I'm going to put this with them. Uh, but I've, I, just, I was thinking especially of just how amazing and encouraging and faith building this tour was. So that's what we're going to do. This, uh, the stones are there, uh, different colored pens. If you would like, if you can't think of anything now, uh, take one home, please. Okay, but I really encourage us all to have, to have a stone of remembrance. Just something that you're so grateful to God for that 
shows and reminds you of just how, how wonderful God is. Amen? In terms of just blessing us. Alright, so that actually is the end of my part of the lesson. I think we're going to have the song leaders can come and uh, lead us in the communion song, then I'll come back and, uh, and then we'll take communion together.